0: And we're live. Here we go. It's the start of 2024. Welcome back, Mr. Marty Amos. How you doing, dude?
1: Happy New Year, my man. Pumped to be back. Had a fantastic break. What about you? What did you get up to?
0: Dude, New Zealand's just a highlight reel at Christmas, New Year's. Like, everyone's on holiday. Weather's awesome. Temperature's great. Water is stunning. Went for a lot of swims, a lot of hikes, a lot of barbecues and a couple of beers. So I can't complain. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, so we've got a bunch of new listeners on the pod. And it's also the new year. So to quote Jay Z, allow me to reintroduce myself, I think it's the time of year to reintroduce both of us work out who on earth people are listening to, and what we're all about. So let's start with yourself, Marty, let's kind of start with the origin story, work out where you know how you got where we are today. And uh, we'll unpack some of the trials and tribulations along the way. So yeah, Start us
1: there right at the beginning, and then uh, if there's something interesting, I might put on that thread. Sounds good, my man. Awesome. All right. So I grew up in Stewart Island, Like New Zealand consists of three islands, North Island, South Island, Stewart It's so only 400 people live there. It's cold as fuck. It is the closest inhabited place to Antarctica. There's nothing between Antarctica and Stewart Island. So frequently we get jokes. There's only 400 people when I was born there, 1971, 52 years later, 53 years later, there's still only 400 people there. So it was awesome growing up there, like beautiful place, very tranquil. I absolutely loved it. At 10 years old, my parents got divorced and I shifted with my mum to Nelson. And so that meant I had to, we were flat ass broke. Mum didn't have any money. And so we didn't even have a car. Like we had two 10 speed bikes and I would bike with mum to. She would work at the school as a cleaner. Then she would go to the orchard and help surf. And I would go and help make money for the household by bagging apples, um, I would go around the neighborhood and ask to mow people's lawns. I'd get like 10 15 or $20. And as a 12-year-old doing that, like I was rolling. I was a baller at that stage. And then I actually I got a pamphlet. I thought, well, how can I make more money? And there was a Woolworths um, supermarket. And I went down, spoke to the owners, and I said, hey, do you need pamphlets delivered? So what he did was he gave me a thousand pamphlets to deliver. And I started doing that for six months. I used to get paid the princely sum of thirty dollars. Took me about eight to ten hours. So I was on like about three bucks an hour. And then I thought, fuck, this is taking a long time. I wonder if I can just get some of my mates to do this. So I sold half the run, outsourced it to them. They paid me, and I paid them, the store paid me. I went back and negotiated a, a price rise. And then i basically got increased my margin significantly by having other people help. Do that. so that that <laughs> so was the first, first lesson where i started to understand one of the key components of leverage and so people systems sales and marketing and then uh, media so those are the four key areas of lessons of leveraging you can include money in there and so that was one of the key principles is having other people work for you so school was great i loved school i Worked hard academically and also loved playing sport. I was in the first 15, played tennis for the school, played cricket for the school, swam, et cetera, et cetera. And we were streamed through school. So I was in 3A. So we stuck with the same class going through all our lessons, which is really good to be in an environment of people who are all on the same journey, who are uber competitive and who push each other to achieve well. So all those people, there's like 300 people in standard form 3 out of those 100 people, 28 out of our 30 people were in the same class at the end of the seventh one. And most of those people have gone on to be very successful in life. So it was a great time. I loved school. I went to university and I went down to Otago University. And my dad lived down in Dunedin at this stage. He'd shifted from Stuart on to Dunedin. Now I wanted to be closer to him. And also, a bit of an adventure get away. The second class university was Otago. So I went to Otago. And I actually failed my first year. No one told me how to construct a degree. I wasn't smart enough to figure it out on my own. I just did what I had done at school. So I did biology, geography, economics, and law. And holy shit, if uh, playing rugby, drinking beer, and chasing girls didn't uh, take up 90% of my time. And consequently, at the end of the year, I'd failed one of my subjects. And I got a C minus in another. And I went home with my tail between my legs for the summer holidays. So I was just like, what am i doing i just felt so ashamed and like i'd let my mum down who had worked hard because my mum had come from nothing like broke tens week no car cleaner bagging apples to she worked as an insurance agent then she became one of the top insurance brokers in new zealand then she invested into bought a commercial building then she started investing into businesses and i saw what hard work the system and uh, perseverance can get you and so i felt massively not only did I let myself down, but I'd let my mum down. I think that's a good thing is when things aren't going well is to sit in the paint, look in the mirror and have a con- real conversation with yourself, the man in the mirror and say like, fuck, is this as good as it gets? Is this all I'm capable of? Like, can I do better? Is there someone else out there that's doing better that I can go and learn from? Because if they can do it, it's possible. And if they can do it, then I can do it. And all I need to do is go and, Look at what they're doing, replicate the same sort of things to get the same result, whether it's bake a cake, get in shape, or grow your business. You just need to follow what someone else is succeeding, who's doing what you want to achieve, get around a community, get someone who's going to push you, hold you accountable. You know, like they say, they ask Tiger Woods, like, why do you have a coach? You're the best golfer in the world. It's like, well, I can't see my own swing. And quite often as people or business owners, we're not cognizant of our blind spots.
0: Well, dude, I mean, like just on that, you've got a really key phrase that you use regularly that I think you got from your mum, which is really impacting and powerful that you've spoken to a lot of our team about as well. Do you know the one I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, if it is to be, it's up to me.
0: Yeah, and so good.
1: The whole philosophy around that is you're the master of your own destiny. You're not a tree. You're not stuck in the situation or where you're at. You have all the power, if you take the power, to own the problem. And if you own the problem, you can own the solution. So it's a great ideology, and it will help set you free to make the changes necessary to get to where you want to go. So good. So
0: okay. So Stewart Island to Nelson. Followed your mum. Dad's a commercial fisherman. Did really well at high school. Bit of sport: cricket, rugby, the works. Moved down to Dunedin. He's uh, chasing tail, drinking booze, and trying to study. What happens next?
1: I then thought, right. I'm never going to feel like this again. So I use that pain to go, right, what do I need to do? And I really wanted to, I was really interested in business and making money and business as a vehicle to make money. So the best subjects for that, for growing any business, marketing, management, how do you run and lead a team? How do you get leads in the door who know who you are, who are educated, nurtured, want what you've got, no matter what that service or product is? And then what are the numbers that you need to understand to make your business profitable? So I did economics, marketing and management. And I got into double honours, both in marketing and management. And the same thing happened again. So they selected nine ladies and nine guys out of 350 marketing students. And fortunately, I was one of those nine. And we stayed together second, third, and fourth year. I did an honours degree. Then I started doing a masters. So I did a masters in commerce in marketing, and I actually won the multi postgrad scholar for the whole of the university. And then I started doing a, a PhD. And along the way, I was thinking this is all great. How do I put these marketing you know, strategies into effect? And so a mate and I, guy, Damien Black, him and I started a company called the Dunedin Dining Club. And we went around and we signed up um, about 45 different restaurants and people paid for a card called the Dunedin Dining Card, and they paid us 80 bucks or they paid 200 for a corporate card. And if you and I went out for dinner at any one of these 45 restaurants, Owen, your main meal would be free. So we had to learn everything about sales, marketing, systems, getting restaurants on board, communicating value. And I made a few uh, mistakes along the way. I hired six of my mates once uh, for orientation week, but all they ended up doing was going out, getting pissed, uh, hitting on chicks in the pubs that we were selling the cards in. And uh, needless to say, it didn't go well. And then I had to to fire five of my friends because we weren't holding high enough standards. We didn't have strict systems in place like daily check-ins, stand-ups, how are you going? And we didn't have KPIs. So we had no idea what, how many sales, how many people did they need to speak to? How many sales did they need to make? And what was the average dollar sale? We had reverse engineered, what's the outcome that we want? And then how many sales do each of these guys need to make per day? So that big lesson there. But again, you know, it's all, never a good sailor did a calm port or calm sea make in a port. That's why ships were designed to leave the port and go out into the rough waters. Fortunately, Damien though, He's had many a good business, and he actually owns the largest security company in New Zealand now called Allied Security. They do have over two and a half thousand full time staff, and you know do anywhere from one hundred and thirty to two hundred million now. And he's buying other companies in Canada, Australia, et cetera, Security companies, so very successful entrepreneur. I'm fortunate along the way that I've worked with a lot of good entrepreneurs. Well, that's just it, right? You've got to surround
0: yourself with people that are like weapons. Like, you know, if you're the old adage, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. But it's so true. Like if you're not hanging out with people that are pushing you out of your comfort zone or helping you learn faster, then (laughs) you're in the wrong place. sounds like you've surrounded yourself with a bunch of those people over your career.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just because they are a good friend or that doesn't necessarily mean they'll make a great business partner. So a mate and I, we used to do, um, he's the New Zealand heavyweight cage fighting champion. He runs a security company in Auckland with about 100 guys. We started a security business teaching um, hand-to-hand combat to people, civilians, uh, and our instructor, Jeff Todd, used to instruct the SAS. And uh, that business didn't go well because we were focused on multiple businesses at the same time. And this was like a side business. Uh, and I think there's a great... Um, podcast called the High Performance Podcast where they interview successful athletes, successful entrepreneurs, and the number one non-negotiable for success is all in. There's very few athletes who go well at tennis, basketball, and Formula One or Moto GP. If you're all in on one thing, it gets every part of your focus, your energy, and focus is a entrepreneur's superpower. So yeah, I had a bunch of other businesses along the way. Uh some good stories, boxing for 13 years in New Zealand, Australia, and the U.S., and bouncing in a strip club, or bounced in nightclubs, bars throughout New Zealand, Australia, and the U.S., bouncing in a strip club called Bourbon Street Circus in the U.S., and getting a gun pulled on me by a mafia guy, a Gambino mafia member, out of New York, just being a young Kiwi, and just going, fuck you, don't, mate, get to the back of the line. So like, do you know who I am? Don't care who you are. And then I uh, <laughs> pulled out a gun... One of the other door with Keith came really out, took the gal out, uh, hit him over the head with an iron bar, took the gun off him and uh, gave him him and his mates a bit of a kicking and then went back inside. Sounds like a bit of the butterfly effect. What could have been? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fun times.
0: Uh, Too right. So you've entered into the world of business. We've had a couple of successes, a couple of misfires. What have, you know, what, what was the kind of watershed moment in your business career where you're like, you know, all right. I'm all in, we're doing this, and you know, you started started off with something.
1: I think it was when I invested into. So I had a lot of little businesses along the way. So, self defence company with Lee, an insurance business, a mortgage broken company, a pet store that I went into partnership with with a guy in Papakura who was, funnily enough, showed me two sets of books and then um, wondered why he was still treating it as his private bank account. Needless to say, that didn't end well and. Mm lot of lessons out of that before going into partnership with someone so i'll touch on that in a minute okay so had all these small businesses but none of them had gone overly well and i think the two lessons one was lack of knowledge and lack of focus and lack of focus led to less time for implementing strategies didn't have the leverage because i was doing a lot of things trying to do a lot of things myself i was wearing a lot of the different hats sales marketing systems leadership so I thought, I'm not going to make these mistakes again. So I thought, how can I educate myself? Because before doing this, I had worked as the marketing manager for Honda Motorcycles for New Zealand. And it was great working with intellectually smart people, doing a lot of international business, Japan, the US, New Zealand, Australia. And then I got headhunted to be the country manager of Pirelli Tires. And we grew Pirelli into the number one sports tire brand in New Zealand. So it went from basically very few outlets to 46 retail outlets. When I came in, I had to fire the distributor called um, a guy called Possum Born. Rest in peace. Very famous rally guy. And he was only selling 3,000 tires per year, which is very small. And so one of the things my German boss said to me, Marty, are you aware of oh, what's the FIFO principles? I'm like, yeah, it's uh, first in, first in. No, no, no. It's either fit in or fuck off they will do their numbers they will do it our way or they can fuck off i'm like oh shit right okay so key critical thing that i took away from that was you have to hit your numbers there's non-negotiables in terms of standards like you don't get in business what you deserve you don't get what you expect you get what you inspect so you need to be looking at what your team are doing you need to get feedback and closer a feedback loop every week and people need to have a scorecard their numbers for each person's role and have one number that if i ask you bob are you winning they can go yes i am and then we can see their scorecard and know yep they're winning labor hours are within five percent of what we've forecast so everyone needs to have a number visibility leads to accountability and it also takes all the subjective stuff out of it and makes it objective to assess people's performance there's a very clear scorecard for how well we're playing the game and we know how we're performing. Yeah, so got tired of working for the man, and I thought, right, I don't want to repeat the mistakes that i would made with these smaller businesses. I'm going to get something where there's already systems in place. I can learn everything about business. So I bought an action coach, business coaching franchise, and I think it's got about 1,200 coaches. And I worked my butt off, got around other guys who were succeeding, and learned everything that they could or that they had on sales, marketing, we ran monthly seminars, and worked hard to get to number one in New Zealand and number two in the world, because we used to put our numbers in every month and they would see, okay, how much revenue have you made for the month? And then they would invoice us 5% of what that revenue was. So there's a big competitive incentive to see where you rank, like you're 10th, some months I was 12, some months I'd be and then some months when I cracked the top 10, I'm like, whoa, I'm seven, how can I get to fifth? And how do I get on the podium? I never got to number one but i was very you know proud and happy to get to number two so yeah so it gave us framework gave us systems how to apply to a business and at that stage we were coaching for probably a third of our clients were trades businesses and in particular building companies and we were able to get them really good results really quickly by getting clear on their numbers just identifying like what's the one constraint or the one big hole where the money's rushing out that we need to plug like is it you're doing smaller jobs is it that you're not pricing to a target margin is it that cash flows poor is it productivity on site like where's the biggest constraint and we we managed to start getting guys a lot of great wins and it's like well the power is in niching down right the power is in being if you're a builder and you do kitchens bathrooms new builds high-end architectural fences then you're all things to everyone and you're nothing to no one but if you solely do reclads or weather tightness, or you solely do villa renovations it allows you to get a high margin get your team dialed in do those projects better faster to a higher standard uh get case studies testimonials have a killer guarantee and really become the expert and almost the celebrity in that particular niche so that's what it was with us. We thought, how can we get? We get on well, I'm very down to earth fellow. So we get on well with builders. Uh, me being a massive petrol hit and we thought, okay, cool. They're great at building great houses, doing great projects. How do we help them build a great business? We're great at helping people build a business that gives them both more money and more time. How do we marry these two skill sets together to get a great outcome? And that led to the formation of the professional builder, which. Uh, you were there for the founding eight and a half, nine years ago. And in that time now, with just the three of us, we've grown to serving over two and a half thousand people, building company owners throughout New Zealand, Canada, the USA, UK, and Australia. And we've got a team of 26 people now uh, to help you know, coach people, hold them accountable, world-class best practice.
0: How good. And the best part about specializing as well is that you can genuinely help somebody really really specifically if you're all things to all people you're actually i mean you might be pretty good at the fundamentals but the absolute specifics is going to be really hard to dial in and be the best at you answered the question of like why builders really well but why coaching like why did you choose to start the coaching get into the coaching side of things
1: well two reasons i'd always had a passion for learning and education i always want to figure out like how can you do something to the best of your ability? So if it's ride a motorcycle, I've done the California Superbike School. It takes you through different levels to get quicker and faster on the track. And now I'm part of the Supercar Owners Club and we have track days with instructors and you'll have Porsche Racing Series champions coming out and international racing car drivers taking you through, teaching you exactly what to do, how to load up the outside wheel, where to tip in, how to load through the apex, etc., and how to just get better and faster and faster. So the same with uh, coaching, I love learning, I love making money, and helping people put these strategies and systems into their business to make more money, systemize their business, buy their time back, get their team performing well, and build an epic business. So I want to do that for myself, first and foremost, gain all the skills, and then be able to share it with as many people as possible, and in particular, building company owners to help them build a kick-ass business that's professional, well-systemized, they booked out six to twelve months worth profitable work above 20, 25% gross margin. They build a great team that has the right systems on site, right systems in the office, and they have great visibility, accountability around their numbers. So every project is profitable. The company hits the profits, profit goals. There's great cash flow. Your bank accounts growing every month, and you're pricing to a minimum target margin, at least 20 to 25%, controlling the job on the way through and every job is profitable it's done well you build your team this is a great saying you don't build your business you build your team you train your team and the team follow the systems and process to build the company to free up time for you as a business owner to invest in the wealth creating side of things which is where um, our boardroom program is focused
0: 100 dude i couldn't agree more like working with builders and working in coaching is so rewarding because you get to be supremely curious. It's your job to basically like work out why, and then work out a solution. Right. And fortunately, because we specialize, we've normally got a lot of those in our back pocket already, but it's always curly whirlies and it's always fun to be really, really curious. And then secondly, you are genuinely helping these people because, you know, I know that you've gone through these experiences yourself, but when business ain't going great, it is a weight of br- a ton. It's elephants on your head. Just like keeping you awake at night, struggling to breathe, like it is nothing, not fun. And when we get to help people come out of that and see the other side, it's insanely rewarding. And the business impacts every all of their families and their employees' families
1: as well. So it's like nothing else. Absolutely, one of the most stressful times in my life, and it's fucking stressful. When you've got a business that doesn't work, there is nothing more stressful than lying awake at night at two or three in the morning, thinking, "How the fuck do I solve this?" So I almost went bankrupt about eight years ago. And that was from, we had a cleaning company that was called, or this is still running now, called Life Made Easy. We should joke, that it was Life Made Difficult. There's nothing fucking easy about it. And so we scaled a business at a low margin. So 22% margin, which sounds great, but the job, very small average dollar sale. Every possible problem in the book, we scaled it to, 46 team members were doing around 1500 claims per month and we were doing about 150 to 200 grand a month but the problem was they're all employees they were so they weren't contractors and consequently we would lose money every month the business was going backwards because our margin wasn't high enough for our overhead so we had three sales reps we had nine people in the office and we had a total of 46 and we had about 35 cleaners, something like that. We had nine cars on the road. So they're driving around in our cars. They're going from house to house. It's not optimized. And so the business is going backwards sort of 15, 20, 25 grand every month. And I'm like, how the fuck do I solve this? And very stressful because I was also running our my action coach, coaching business like nine years ago. And trying to run two businesses at the same time, very difficult. And it's like... Man who chases two rabbits catches neither. And so I ended up selling the business, paying down all the debt, and liquidating it as well, liquidating the entity. So what that meant was we got a payment plan with the bank, we got a payment plan with the tax department, we paid off all the small creditors. And my biggest lessons out of that that cocked it up were one, the business model. So if we had sold franchises, or we had had contractors on a 60-40 split, which is common in the cleaning company, we would have had 40% gross margin. And out of that 200K, instead of us getting like 44, we would have had 88,000 or 80,000. And our overheads were around the 50-55. So we would have been profitable, and then we could have incrementally improved things. But running a low-margin business is torture. It's a recipe for disaster. And unless you want to be Walmart or the warehouse or any bulk company that's going to have economies of scale, then do not go into that market. Obviously there's different margins. So if you're a group housing company, your margin could be anywhere from 15 to 20%, but you might be doing 20, 50, 250 houses per year. And you can spread that, those economies of scale against your overheads. So low margin, high overheads to run a low margin business, like you cannot scale chaos. And you cannot scale lack of profits. Like you will just run faster on the hamster wheel. And the third thing, I didn't stop and make the hard decisions soon enough. I knew the company was going backwards. I should have been more focused on the one that wasn't performing well. And I didn't take the hard questions to put scorecards in place, put systems in place, hold people accountable, put in place the management meeting structures that make everything visible Visible every week, toolbox meetings, construction meetings. Yeah. I just did not do a good job of managing the business. And at that time, I thought I was doing everything I could. But now, nine years on, and having you know been in coaching programs, worked with thousands of builder companies, we see the difference between average, good, and great, and the difference it can make to your company results is, is huge. So that was my, uh, I guess, watershed moment. And it's very humbling. You think, like, I... I don't know why, my ego must have been a bit out of control, but I was thinking, (laughs) New Zealand Herald printing out, New Zealand's number one business coach goes bankrupt. I went, holy fuck, how do I avoid this? And and I had uh, my wife, Kelly, one three-year-old boy, Zach, and uh, another one on the way, Ashton. I even, I was in tears, I went to ask my mum for money, my mum said no, and then, you know, in tears asked my dad to, you know, if he can lend me some money, and he mortgaged his house, loaned me 50 grand, And I was able to save off bankruptcy, put in place a plan with the creditors and basically sit down and figure out what do I need to do to get out of this? So yeah, very grateful to my dad, very humbling moment. And since then, it's really given me an impetus not to want anyone else to go through this. And that's why we really focus on diving into people's numbers, understanding how they're pricing their projects, how they're controlling their labor on the way through, making sure that every project is profitable, they're capturing all variations and they're doing so at a great target margin and with strong deal flow. Cause when you're booked out six, twelve months with great profitable work, you can focus on systemizing the business. When you don't have much forward work, you got to focus on getting that marketing sales and marketing machine in place so that you're not competing on price just to win another job and you're dropping your pants just so that you can keep you guys busy. That's real focus.
0: Yeah, totally. Man, what a uh what a roller coaster. Like, uh, yeah, being in the eye of the storm is, uh, can be humbling. It can be scary. And being able to come out the other side of it is something else entirely. So for the last eight, nine years, you've been on the other side of that, fortunately, and how's it gone? Where are we at today?
1: Do like, yeah, we've grown to be the, the leaders in this space. We've got one of the largest teams. We've got 26 people in our business, six coaches that can help you, help out you implement strategies and. I think we now have offices in singapore australia the us canada and new zealand of course so the greatest joy that i take is twofold one seeing our team develop and the business grow and and people step up and become leaders leaders in sales leaders in marketing leading some systems on so the second thing is being able to give a repeatable system and process like a franchise without the big upfront franchise cost for builders owners building company owners to bake their own cake and to put the same ingredients in, follow the same process. And if you put the work in, you'll get the same or similar result to members who are crushing it. So the other thing is having a community of building company owners that have grown, achieving their goals, buying back their time, buying toys like boats, Ford Rangers, jet skis, 69 fastback Mustangs, going on hold to Europe for six weeks. And I think because they've been through those challenges and watershed moments and they've been lifted up, a rising tide lifts all all boats, they're willing to share what's worked for them and how that got them out of any sticky situations. So I think that's great is that we have a lot of every system challenge, every onboarding and apprentice, variations, capture form, everything we have from our members. We interview them, what's working well for them. We get those templates. We make it available so that everyone can version it and it just helps you to implement quicker to get better results. So it's the thing I'm really proud of is the openness of our community and the willingness to share what's working well for them because it's a very closed off community because quite often builders are competing in their local area on price with others and not often willing to share what's working in their business.
0: Totally. Super notoriously tight-lipped industry, right? Like, oh, how much is going to go? Well, you know, he could, might be able to do it cheaper, but you know, it's just a notoriously sort of uh, status quo, tight-lipped entry, uh, it's a 10% town, can't charge for that, I won't tell you if you won't tell me, sort of thing. And that's, I agree, that's what I love about our community as well, it's not like that. The rising tide lifts all boats, you're going to get out what you put in, and uh, the members that are most successful are those that you know jump in boots and all and really take action with the quick to ask for help quick to take action and quick to share their lessons insights and learning so that we can redeploy it against more improvements
1: i think that's one of the biggest things of being in a community is helping eradicate or destroy any self-limiting beliefs that you might have so you might think well i can't charge for quotes everyone else is doing it free but then you see people who well they're charging for their prelim budget and for Hayden signed 4.25 mil worth of work. He signed four prelim budgets in the space of 60 days. In Melbourne, one of our members, Leon, signed seven over the space of six months and at three and a half K and I think paid for the whole program just through having a template a system, a script, a process, and then being able to talk to other building company owners who have done that. What was the mindset shift that they did that helped them get this in and what they test and tweak each time
0: yeah so good like uh we've been doing this for about a half you know coming up a decade soon right you've got a brain full of lessons and insights and golden nuggets what are you doing with all that stuff you've got something rather exciting
1: that's uh, in the works is that right yes absolutely so we have distilled 19 years worth of work down into a book called the profitable builders playbook and we're going to be releasing this in march and so it's off to the publishers in a couple of weeks time and then we're going to be doing a road show throughout new zealand australia and the u.s with partners whereby we'll be coming to your town and we'll be doing an evening or afternoon workshop and helping you put all these systems and process into place in your business so we can help you get a plan in place that's custom made for your business and of course you can then Go off and apply that into your business and you'll have a plan and a clear path forward. Or you can have a chat with one of our team and say, hey, you know, if you'd like some help to get this in place quicker with more certainty and more confidence, then we can have a chat about the different options of working with us. So really looking forward to being on the road this year and meeting our community one-on-one and obviously getting this book out there into the hands of any building company owner or general contractor who wants to improve their business build a professional, well-systemized business that gives them both more money and more time. And the podcast is a great vehicle to do that as well. Exactly.
0: Totally. So before we get into some of the rapid fire stuff, I an important question that pops up often. And do you think it matters that you're not a builder and you're teaching, you know, coaching builders?
1: We're not here to teach you how to build houses or how to train your apprentice. We're here to teach you how to grow a successful business. And that comes down like this fundamentals to every business. So having a clear plan of exactly where you're at and where to get to. The next is having the support to help get you there. And I think one of the big things is having that infrastructure of a team of 26 people to help you implement things, to hold you accountable each week. And we have two and a half thousand building company owners who've been through our program. So we see under the hood of two and a half thousand building company owners We then interview them and get their templates processes systems and mindset changes that our members can take and implement straight away for greater results so there's pros and cons of not being a builder
0: yeah i'd agree with you i think there's like two other three other points as well it's like when you're not a builder you don't know all the status quo stuff that is often a hindrance rather than an advantage like you said we're not teaching how to build we're teaching how to fish like how to actually build a real business rather than a busy job and then also it really comes down, it's less about us and more about you. Like it's less about Marty Amos and Owen show and more about you actually putting in the work to build a business, right? Rather than be a great builder. And if you can't get that from the community, from how others have done it, and from working on some core business principles, then we're not really business coaching. We need to start doing some mindset stuff as well.
1: Exactly. Like there's 750 members in the community. And so any problem that you've got, there's going to be A few members who've solved that problem, and you can jump on the line with them and work through exactly how they solve their problem. And the people who do succeed and do get the greatest results are the people who are quick to implement, quick to ask for help, and then quick to share their wins. And so every week, we have trainings every week, we have one on one coaching, we go through your numbers every month, we get a clear custom plan, and then we help you hand in hand to execute those strategies into your business so you're winning and you've got a clear scorecard that you're on path to reach your goals and knock it out of the park.
0: Bloody oath. All right, let's do some rapid fire. Favorite sport?
1: Boxing. Uh, So I've boxed for 13 years and been teaching my boys 9 and 12 how to box. Zach had his first sparring session yesterday, so I think it's a great sport for resilience, discipline, dedication. Favorite holiday? Well, could be the one coming up. March 4th, I'm off to North Korea for... Seven days to go and see uh, Uncle Kim. And uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully I return from Pyongyang. If you don't hear me on the podcast anymore, I'm probably languishing in a prison somewhere in North Korea.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going to get some, uh, some key man insurance out before, exactly. you, uh, before you leave. Uh, proudest moment, both personally or professionally.
1: Family ones, obviously. Um, completing 75 heart, Man, what a game changer that is. If you want to be at your absolute peak, in terms of discipline 245 minute workout today don't need any crap read 10 pages of a book take progress photo. drink 3.7 liters of water just an absolute game changer and you can see okay this is what's possible this is the standard that i can play it and what i should be achieving
0: yeah love it favorite car
1: oh well currently i've got a porsche gd3 quite a few guys in our club there's a brand new lamborghini technica i would say yeah probably lamborghini evo technical lamborghini hurricane.
0: nice worst job you've ever done
1: oh fuck there's been so many from cleaning a fish factory at on the night shift at three o'clock in the morning in nelson to working in a cardboard box factory when i was 18 fucking stamping out things like this with a screwdriver and then almost losing a finger through trying to pull the um the cardboard that was stuck out of the machine before the uh the oh, the pre yeah, this beats of
0: wideness. That's toasty. A couple of personal guiding principles in life.
1: You can't do it all alone. Surround yourself with great people. Get other, enroll other people on the journey. And if you can have a succession plan in place, like we've structured a buy-in with you owned by 25%, then hit profit targets and get to 33%. So big thing is enroll other people in the journey and get other people on board to help you build your dream and to help, you know, get there faster. On your own, you can go faster. Together, we can go further.
0: Nice. A scariest moment. Last two.
1: Oh, outside a strip club and having someone point a gun at me or being in a brawl in Brisbane at the gig with Steel Bar, one of the dawn being hit with Steel Bar and a murder charge. Not, not me on the murder charge. Outside of that, probably lying awake at night and thinking about how the fuck do I get out of this um, business company that's um, cleaning company that's going under.
0: Yeah, huge, eh? we all stand on the shoulders of giants who have been your people that you've learned best from your mentors that you've surrounded yourself with along the journey
1: sure so wes watson when he first got out of prison in the u.s big mindset fitness influencer i worked one-on-one with him for two years he was fantastic a lot of people in terms of books and business guns brad sugars from action coach what he's done is phenomenal and i think any autobiography that you can read of high-performing people there's some brilliant ones stephen schwartzman who grew the founder of BlackRock. He wrote a great book called Whatever It Takes. So yeah, being in the community, reading books, autobiographies, can't recommend it enough. So
0: good. Awesome, man. Well, it's been fantastic to get to know you. Allow me to reintroduce myself, like Jay-Z would say. So good to uh, start the year like that. Dude, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you. Let's have a massive 2024. And uh, I look forward to doing this again next year.
1: All right, brother. I appreciate you. Look forward to interviewing you, getting to know you some more and sharing some of the lessons from your elite sports and uh, team and business growth lessons. All right, team, let's smash it. See you guys.